The following podcast discusses alternative sexual practices in loving and detailed terms, and as such may not be appropriate for young children, those who have English as a 17th language, or my mother. Mom, I know you want to be supportive of my endeavors, but seriously, stop the podcast and walk away. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to a hairy prone companion, a podcast of wholesome kink and perverted knitting. I'm Sarah Kane. I'm Lansing Mike. No interview this week. We are just sitting here, and that was interesting. Uh, I think it worked. I mean, yeah. Well, it was like I said, our first try. Mm-hmm. We hadn't done. Uh, I mean, some preliminary preparations, but we didn't do the due diligence we maybe should have if we were professionals. But we're not being paid, so we're not professionals. <laughs> like testing out the equipment, making sure sound levels, all that. For the most part, I had a weird reverb ghosting for, uh, you know, in mine. I remember hearing it when I was re- we were recording. Right. And then I came through on the recording. I don't know what that was I, coming I out. figured out what was causing the reverb and ghosting, or at least mm-hmm. something that may be causing it. Because... We were in, on the recording itself, Mm -hmm. my sound was completely in the right-hand channel, Mm -hmm. 100%, and then your sound and Andy's sound Mm -hmm. was completely in the left-hand channel. Mm -hmm. And because we were in the same room, I think our mics picked up each other. Okay. And then there's the half-second delay of Skype, and I tried to pull as much of that as I could but yeah, your compared to Andy, your sound was a little more. I want to say hollow. Mm-hmm. I have to double check your headset setup and your spacing, and you know, teach you all the things that I learned in broadcasting school. That would be handy. I consider it a success mm-hmm. for the first one. Uh, now that I've had a chance to listen back to it, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I mean, I was just remembered all the questions that, like afterwards, like oh, I wish I asked him this or ask him that, but. Sounds like you're going to have a chance to uh, maybe grab some time with him or at Claw. Yeah, I'm you know. definitely going to at least say hi to him at the booth. Or and... I could actually learn how to do, you know, goddamn technology like Twitter or shit like that. And There's a know, thought. And actually, you know, ask questions myself. Yeah, if you, when you figure out how to do Twitter, I may give you a secondary password to the Harry Prong Companion okay. account. Because you you can do that. You can have group Twitters. I have. I mean, I have a a Twitter, and it just. But oddly enough, did not use Lansing Mike as my handle because I <laughs> thought I was being clever and used a really very esoteric sci-fi reference that no one would ever get, and that's okay. No one needs to get it. Well, I actually got a tweet back from Andy mm-hmm. when he listened to the episode. He wants to know more about what happened in the bookstore. Oh, <laughs> <Like>. <laughs> I was like, I, I really don't think much else happened. Oh, things happened. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I mean, I mean, <laughs> I was clueless. I had no idea. My friend, he was, it was at the, specifically it was in Chicago on Halstead at the Small Brown Elephant, which okay. is basically like a non-evil Salvation Army. People donate stuff and they sell it for AIDS charities. 
And uh, I think it was market days, which is, or maybe not. No, I, no, I think I was just with my friend. We weren't there for market days. It was just a standard, because market days, they get special stuff in, and there's a line out the door, and it's kind of a big deal for them. It was a standard day. They have several aisles of books, you know, used books that people have donated. And that's when I saw the novels and went to my friend who's a nerd and telling him, I knew there was someone staying next to him. I guess the guy was in like track pants. So it was kind of obvious that he was like aroused, not, not to me, but to my <laughs> friend. And they're kind of eyeing each other. And it's like, hey, yeah. We, and I think there had been a little groping happening as I approached them. Just like, hey, look at this book, <laughs> which was, inter- you know, bothering the mood. And I think the guy then wandered away. But my friend then followed him around a corner, which was a little bit more out of sight, and I think they exchanged, like, you know, blowjobs. I mean, not to completion, because God, who the fuck has time for that? But at least, you know, hey, I want to show my appreciation. Let me give you a couple quick licks, and, you know, it's like, yay, and then moving on. Well, it depends on how much of a hair trigger you have. True. Some people are very, come very casually, and I, I almost envy them. I was like... You know, like I said, at the, the dungeon, I was like, yeah, this is not going to happen. You're yeah. sorry. I'm I'm just very cum shy. Coming soon, a new documentary on premature ejaculation. No, that would be lovely, but no. <laughs> I never see, I never understood the, the, the shame of that. It's like, okay, you come fast. Well, you're probably also young. And guess what? Ten minutes later, you're going to be hard again. Or probably five minutes later, and you can keep going. And it's going to take longer that second time. And the third. And maybe the fourth. Well, Nowadays, you get to a, you know, your twilight, well, I wouldn't say twilight years, late mid-afternoon and uh, <laughs> years, and then it's like, oh, one and done for the day in a, mm-hmm. in a way. But then it takes you longer, and just thinking the whole thing about premature ejaculation being horrible is, I think it's because straight guys are afraid to, don't know how to, don't like to eat pussy. No. If you can't rely on the standard, I'm going to stick my dick into a hole until I come. Oh my God, if I can't rely on that, then what can I do? Right. And if you're just a two-pump chump and you roll over and fall asleep, that's not good. But if you pound, pound, you come, and then you're polite enough to finish her off using other methods, it's not such a bad thing. Or, if you know you're that fast, get your partner off first. Then you do it. Yeah, I think the, um, I know another friend's story about when he was at a convention, sci-fi convention, Mm -hmm. and blew someone in the service elevator. Like uh, you do. Well, the thing was, the guy blew him first because the guy knew himself well enough that he knew that once he came, he was going to be in a foul mood and not be very sociable. Because he was basically cheating on a girlfriend who was also at the con, wanted a quickie, and he had told my friend, it's like, I need to bring you off first because once I come... You know, I'm not going to want to hang around. So at least he was kind enough to... He knew himself well enough. He was honest pre, enough. Pre-reciprocate, so to speak. And then gets blown. And yeah, I think his parting words to my friend were, if you tell my girlfriend, I'll fucking kill you. It's like, okay, got it. I, yeah. You're a mess. You're, you might be a fun time in a service elevator. Would not want to date you. Because A, you yeah. cheat. And B, you're a bit of a psycho. Yeah, don't stick your dick in crazy. <laughs> But no, I mean, yeah, that's that's one of those things that there is this expectation of. Well, I mean, yeah, I think we're going to talk about it in our main topic later, but society kind of gives you this idea of, hey, mutual, you know, no, simultaneous orgasm. That's the way it should be. You know, both people are pumping and then they both scream at the same time and then they just melt into each other. And it's like, 
Yeah, that's stage. It's on TV. Rarely, once in a great while, you might be able to organize and figure it out and pull it off. But for the most part, no, it's a fantasy. No, simultaneous orgasm. No, somebody mm-hmm. somebody always fires off first. And oh. I take a long time. I take a long time to, to get off. And, you know, I am used to having a good, wild, kinky time mm-hmm. and not having an orgasm. And, you know, that's fine for me. Oh, yeah, I mean, that. I mean, yeah. I didn't come during, you know, the uh, Detroit Bondage Club party, but, you know, I had some lovely memories and thoughts that were quite useful, you know, later on. And I a nice... That night. I think I was just exhausted that night, but... Then the next morning, when Mr. Happy wakes up before you do, and... Again, an, another thing that I've noticed now, I don't quite... That's not really an issue. Morning wood's not a thing I really have had for a mm. long time. Um, I hear testosterone levels, you know, mm-hmm. you tend to, from sleeping, and it's like... I mean, not that I'm not sometimes horny in the morning, but usually right. it's not, you know, yeah, so I, evident. I have heard that that is a symptom of low testosterone. That if you're not waking up with a heart on, your T levels may be low. And, oh, and I'm, but, I imagine yeah. mine might be because, you know, there's many things. But, you know, I also don't know if low testosterone is a necessarily horrible thing because there's so many other things I want to get accomplished in a day. <laughs> And I would worry if if I actually had a, the libido that some of my friends seem to do because it's like, where did you find time? Jesus Christ. Well, you know, it's like knitting. It's like writing. Mm-hmm. When it's important to you, you make, you make the time. Yep. Yeah. Oh, so we are recording this on Saturday afternoon due to other scheduling conflicts. I might go out to the Esquire tonight, see what's hopping and jumping. But I did have an encounter on Wednesday that was, shall we say, less than optimal. Mm-hmm. It wasn't wasn't amazing. A guy from Grand Rapids has been pinging me on recon and through the other ways because he's a fisting bottom and he wanted a hand up his ass well hand and yeah about half of my forearm so pretty good i would have gone in deeper but he had a rather tight pelvis Mm -hmm. so that that was stopping my hand from i i could feel that all the way around and couldn't quite get past that point i was gonna say child-bearing hips he did not have no he he did not have child-bearing hips thin hips on a guy what a concept right so, first thing we did to each other was a simple catheter, a little urethral play, mm-hmm. which was okay. It was it was an eighteen, which is was that like a gauge or not eighteen gauge? It's like I want to say like eighteen millimeters across. Okay. It's a it's a good size okay. tube. I mean, I could. Yeah, I could feel it. You know, there was a definite fullness in there. It was, I probably wouldn't, if I had made the choice, I probably wouldn't have done an 18 myself. I probably would have gone one or two steps down from that. He really enjoyed having it in. And then when it was in, gently moving it 
in and out of it while I stroked the prostate with my fingers and that getting stimulated from both directions. He really enjoyed. To me, it, it just felt uncomfortably like I had to pee. Mm-hmm. And they were just straight catheters, so you couldn't, you know, put it in and then do other things. You had to pay attention to it the whole okay. time. I've had a Foley cath in me that has the balloon on the end, and that will anchor itself okay. in your bladder. So you put that in, you put in a couple of cc's of sterile saline into the balloon, that then blows up in your bladder and can't get past that sphincter. And so it's anchored there, and so then you don't have to keep holding on to it the entire time. That wasn't the case. Because naturally it will be like... Yeah, your body will try to expel that generally. So... Because I know there's always the joke about, you know, the anus being just a a one... It's supposed to be a one-way orifice. It's like, well, if you're unimaginative. But then, you know, but I'm thinking, yeah, the urethra is... Urethra? Yes. Would, yeah, most... Usually is a one way thing. You yeah, know? usually it's it rare is. that something would go in, even you know, sex. But you know, it's like, hey, we're gay guys and we are imaginative. <laughs> we, yeah, we're we're kinksters and we find all sorts of now, ways. To yeah, get... because that's something. Now, is that? And I know sounding. Yes, is when you. So that's when you actually like insert something and then uh, hit it with vibrations like a, well, not, or, it, or just the act of, ju- just the act of the insertion. Okay. If it is solid, that's considered sounding. Okay. If it's hollow, it's a catheter. Okay. So that, that's the difference. But no, I have seen that where they had a 220 Hertz, maybe even lower, but it was a big tuning fork. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they did exactly that. They put the the sound in the guy, mm-hmm. then struck the tuning fork on the heel of their palm, and then touched it to the sound. And you know, it was like a vibrator. Mm-hmm. You know, higher higher pitch than higher frequency than most of the vibrators that you use, but same basic concept. I had some friends who uh, one of the, I mean, they weren't shy. They're into some interesting stuff themselves but i think their first year at iml mm-hmm. yeah that was the table that freaked them out the sound <laughs> the sounding equipment table and I'm like yeah. i was just shocked it's like really because you know that does not seem like too extreme a thing mm-hmm. i mean i mean you know by the description yes you shove something up your dick and then you make it vibrate can seem odd but i it's like that makes sense to me well yeah and you know there are several levels to it i mean I have a silicone sound mm-hmm. that is about the same thickness as a number two pencil, mm-hmm. which, and that to me is a wonderful, comfortable sensation. Just the tiniest bit of stretch. I'm very happy with mm-hmm. it. But I mean, I've seen ones that are, you know, the size of my pinky. I've seen really, really big ones. And hey, there are some guys who have got the dicks for it. And mm-hmm. I say, more power to you. You know, go for it. If you enjoy it, enjoy it. That was what we did first. Then we cleaned out. I got into him with butter-flavored Crisco, uh, which had kind of an odor to it that I wasn't a fan of. Got into him about halfway to the elbow, and he was enjoying it. And then when he finally came after that, he's like, all right, let me do you now. And I'm like, yeah, I... I 
don't get fisted. And it's like, oh, don't worry about it. I'll be gentle. You know, he, he, I was like, well, like one finger. Okay, I, I can do a fit. I'm like, I can do a finger focused mainly on my prostate. Mm-hmm. Because that, yes, that mm-hmm. I can do that I've enjoyed. So he started out with one finger stroking my prostate, and I was enjoying it and getting into it. Then he moved on to two. And, yeah, two, I did not say he could use two fingers. He said, oh, it's smaller than a turd. I'm like, I don't care. And at least, you know, when I'm doing ass play, the word ow, Hmm. I stop instantly. Except for one guy I know, ass play and pain play. No, don't go together. Not at the same time. But yeah, so I said ow a couple of times and no, he kept going. So I was like, nope, I grabbed his wrist and just said, nope, we're done here. (laughs) Yeah, because I, you know, I, there's different levels. I think if you aren't familiar with your play partner, then be aware. Like there was a guy at the, you know, last week that I fingered and he was, um, I don't think he was used to having stuff up there and mm-hmm. because you know, by you know, I asked, it's like, would you like that? And he's like, Let's try. And did one. And, you know, then at one point I was like, Do you want to? And he's like, No, he was good with one. But yeah, of course you ask. You know, because I don't know them. I don't know he might have been, you know, in you know, the complete top and was not comfortable with stuff up his ass. Many people aren't. And also I was just like trying to gauge from his expressions, like is this, you know, he's making faces. Is this, are these good faces or like, oh, I, you know, I'm putting up with it because this guy seems to be into it. And it's like, I'm in this for you right now. So, and to me, if you're with someone the first time or you don't really know them that well, yeah, you err on the side of caution. And it's like, and then once you know each other really well and know that the ouches and the, you know, the no, no, please stops aren't really no, no, please stops. And you've established the actual word that will get used that will make it stop. Then you can go to town. But otherwise, it's like, take it easy, dude. <laughs> yeah. You, you want, you want profi- repeat performances, don't you? Yeah. And this bad leg cost me money. <laughs> so he, the guy is from Grand Rapids. And I seem to have the most shit luck with guys from Grand Rapids. Yeah, last guy from Grand Rapids, I went out there when I was living in Flint. And oh. yeah, I mean that and so having lived in Flint, to me, Grand Rapids still feels like much farther away than Detroit, even though Google tells me no, they're about the same distance mm-hmm. from Lansing. But so yeah, he was from Grand Rapids. I told him during the week I really don't have the time or the energy to travel mm-hmm. and I can't host because that's one of the rules I have with my husband, I don't bring anyone home. I don't bring anything home. So we got, we went to one star. Well, I guess it's two star on TripAdvisor Motel. And it's one of the ones that outside it said, as low as $45 a night. And I'm like, then I said, I'll split the room with you. 20 bucks. I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. Why not? I asked him, how much does the room cost you? He was like, 75 And I'm like, God. It was a king room. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, they didn't have any more of the $45 rooms. They probably only have one $45 room. <laughs> so they can room. advertise it. Right. And so, yeah. I... Oh, see, okay. I was confused because when you said that it cost you money, I thought you meant 
he was a hustler. And then no, no, no. For, and I'm like, oh, it's like, that's an alien thing to me because I'm super cheap. And yeah. also I would expect, like, you know, if it's a bad time and someone actually charge you money for it, it's like, wait, wait. No, I, I feel that, you know, there should be. But yeah. no, I see. It was the, the, the cost of... of of the adventure. Okay, got yeah. it. Okay. I mean, I am perfectly happy to give Detroit Bondage Club 20 bucks. Oh, yeah. That's, every single time. That's like cover. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's, it's a, I would say institution, but it's a business, so to speak. I mean... It's a 501c3. Like, it's also like dues, you know? Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of a pass in the head. And also, like I said, when I went there, um, you know, no one was at the door, like, saying, here, you know... Pay right, up. yeah. It's just a place. There's this box that you drop the money into, and it was very casual, and you know, no one was really yeah, and, releasing and it, it's, so it's, it's honor yeah, system. Yeah, and it's suggested donation. It, it says you know twenty bucks or whatever you can afford, and you know I give it to them gladly because a I always have a great time there, and b I've seen my dues money going there improve that house. Mm-hmm. They've expanded it, and I know that they've got more that they need to do. And, yeah, I never pay for a hustler. I was a hustler <laughs> in a town of 2,500 people, which, yeah, if, if you work for it <laughs> when the town's that small. But I had another job at the time, and it made me spending cash. Mm-hmm. So do what you love and get paid for it, right? <laughs> and, and all the guys in that town really liked the fact that I had my own place with no dog, no cat, no wife, no kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, they could come over to my place. We could have a pleasant interaction. And then they felt less guilty by leaving a 20 on, it was, it on was the tra- nightstand. It was transactional. So, you yes. know, it wasn't gay because they weren't worried about feelings or <laughs> enjoying themselves. No. I, it's, it's interesting the mental hoops that people can jump through for that stuff. Hey, it increased my financial standing so i don't mind Mm. this section of a hairy prone companion is brought to you by news corp fox news we're racist in public so you don't have to be i want to talk about here in our middle section body image and the unhealthy pressures that being gay seems to have on it and just being a guy there's a generalized understanding that women have a lot of pressure on them to look a certain way but act a certain way and yeah and guys have do have that pressure too i think more so in the gay community i've always been big Even when I was in high school, I was exercising a lot in high school. I I think freshman year, might have been sophomore year, had PE every day. Mm -hmm. And so that was 45 minutes of sustained activity. And then three times a week, I went to martial art class for three hours. So I was getting nine and a half. I was getting a good chunk of physical exercise Mm -hmm. every single week. And I think the lightest I was was 195 and I'm five foot nine. 
and that's still considered overweight by the BMI scale. Oh yeah, BMI scale is just yeah, that's yeah. a slap in the face and and, and stupid. And mm-hmm. at that time, I was also taking Ritalin, so I didn't eat that much. So yeah, I I don't know. I, so uh, genetically, being a waif is not in the cards for no, you. No, no. I mean, my father, my father's a bigger. I mean, we're not huge in my family, but Svelte has never been used to describe somebody with my last name. And I, my situation has been similar in that, yeah, I, well, I was a super skinny child because I was a super fussy eater. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that led to my family freaking out. I think I actually was anemic because lack of uh, iron. So they freaked out. It's like, he needs to eat. And so I was taught that, oh, food is good for you. Food is good for you. Eat, eat. And then so I was very proud of the fact that I was getting bigger. And then suddenly it turns like, oh, now you're too big. And it's like, wait, you asked me, you asked this thing of me. I did it. And now I'm doing it really well. And now you're saying I'm wrong. It's like, ah. So, I mean, it's, you know, they were just trying to keep me in a healthy range. Right. And, um, but, you know, I think that laid the groundwork. And then uh, always, yeah, kind of bigger growing up. Lost a bunch of weight, I think, in my high school years. Just, uh, you know, I joined Weight Watchers with my grandmother. And, hmm. you know, I felt sorry for her. She was sticking right to the program and having a hard time of it. And I cheated all the time and all that. And, and I, still lost weight. Because, yeah, yeah, I was, you know, an adolescent well, male. Yeah, because so, you had a metabolism through the roof and she but, was a little old lady. And also wasn't terribly active. Um, you know, I never went into sports and, you know, all that sort of stuff. I'd much rather be watching TV or reading or... Not expending myself physically. So... Yeah, the, the most physical thing we like to do is screw. <laughs> and even that, it wasn't a big thing when I was younger. It's like I was... I would say asexual, but that wasn't even on my mind or radar till college. <laughs> and um, also probably because in the back of my mind I knew, hey, what you're attracted to isn't regular or normal and you'll get nothing but grief. Because it was a time in a town that, yeah you would not come out or even think about it. But it it vacillates always, you know, there's, I had a couple thin points in my life and mostly though, I've always had extra. Then a few years ago, just got tired of it. And again, rejoined Weight Watchers and did it really well and got down to about 190, which actually I'm 6'1". And by BMI 190, I'm still at the upper edge of what's supposed to be for, and I'm like, I'm looking gaunt. So I had people ask me, it's like, are you okay? Because they'd see me lose weight, and they thought maybe I was ill. And it's like, oh, I've just been dieting. And they're like, oh, okay. We thought you were sick. I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> like, okay, I'm, I'm doing the diet thing too yeah. well now. You know, and that was interesting, because um, one interesting thing from that, when I did get thin, oh my gosh, the praise that was heaped upon me. <laughs> I mean, I had people just like, oh, yeah. oh, you look so good. You look, I can't get over how good you look. Which has made me realize just how horrible a thing that is to say to someone. Because then, guess what? Then I kept that off for about a year or two, and then it slowly came back. Oh, and, yeah. And I want to talk to those people who said, said how good I looked. And it's like, yeah, sorry, I look like shit now in your eyes. Because it's a, it's a judgment call. It's like, you look so good. And I used to say that to other people, too. It's like, wow, you've lost weight. You look really good. Because I did. I thought they looked better. Because in my mind, I have this mindset of thinner is better. Because we get programmed that way. In the case, I just would rather say, tell a person, it's like, wow, acknowledge that they've lost weight, and then maybe ask them how they've done it, 
and congratulate mm-hmm. them on either the willpower or the effort or all that if that's the way they wanted to go. It's much better than the kind of coming and telling them, you look good. Because it implies, well, if you weren't thin, you wouldn't be looking good. Yeah, better approach being congratulations on succeeding at something very difficult. Yes, you've worked hard for this. Not what you are, but what you did to get there. Yeah. On uh, Huffington Post recently, relatively recently, I think August of last year, Mm There was a photo series of 19 guys with their shirts off. And, and it was basically just the, the torso shot that you generally see on all of the gay hookup apps, right? So, you know, no face and wearing jeans and, you know, a bare torso. And then just spilling out all this hurt and anguish that they have for perfectly average American bodies and you know how it was never good enough mm-hmm. for them and so yeah look look that up on Huffington Post I recommend it I don't have an exact link I if I remember I will tweet it out when this goes live yeah because I mean the expect what we look at you know what we see is are the beautiful models you know mm-hmm. in the clothing and then also photoshopped photos you know, oh yes, yes. I mean, not, it's not just a matter of you know. It's we. The expectation is just not there. No one looks that good. Yeah, you that, know? yeah. That person doesn't look that good. And I've also, you know, it, it, the photographer's skill helps a lot. And then, yeah, then the tweaking and the photoshopping after. But that's what we see. I mean, that's who's on the magazines. That's who's in the, the TV shows, the movies, our porn. It's usually these people who've put invested a lot of effort into their bodies and which is you know that's their living but the rest of us don't necessarily have the time money or ambition to yeah you know spend the the, time needed to do that these guys that we see in the media are basically paid to go to the gym every single day right that they can have the nutritionist and the private chef and the private trainer and they have the time and the money to be able to dump into it. I've been considering picking up a membership to Planet Fitness, Mm -hmm. but going back and thinking, I'm like, really the only times I've been able to stick to to an exercise regimen is when I've been doing it with somebody, where there was either two or more of us, and we're like, all right, we're going to meet here, here, you know, these... Three days. Yep, you make we're, it. We're gonna you, go, and we go together, and we encourage slash shame mm-hmm. the others to be there as well. When you make an appointment, and someone else is you know depending on you for that. Yes, there's more of a chance that you will carry through. Yes, it's gonna be horrible because I'm making do. It's gonna be horrible because I'm making Sir Arcane probably do a lot of editing in this episode because I came down with something and am coughing frequently. So Yeah, I perhaps oh. we need birds on our yeah. phones. <laughs> yeah, perhaps we need a, a some way to come up with a a beep beep that will show up rather obviously uh in the edit so I can just look for those beeps and then 
pull those out. out. Yeah, it's tricky. But no, then the uh, yeah, the gym thing is a good thing. Um, you know, and you don't even, even a gym. Um, I've lost a lot of weight when I lost my weight was just walking. Mm-hmm. And also, I mean, the key things for me was journaling what I ate and measuring. You know, actually knowing what a serving size was and all that. But the point is, is like, well, why did I have to lose that weight? You know, well, in my case, it was also not just for looks, but also my blood pressure was up. Exactly. I had, I had cholesterol. I had things that needed tweaking just health wise and losing the weight did that. Yes. And, um, and I think that's the thing is the trouble is in our society, we equate larger being unhealthy. And it's not necessary. No, um, not not necessarily. I mean, there's, I mean, they can go hand in hand. But I know some people who, you know, I think it was on the cover of some magazine, like the the world's healthiest fat man, and he wasn't fat. He was just big and big, stocky. Yeah. Not you know, model you know, expectations. Um, you know, if he had a shirt off, but someone you wouldn't you know, kick out of your bed. You know, he was a nice looking guy, but bigger. And great cholesterol, heart was fine and all that because he worked out. He just, you know, happened to not, you know, worry about eating bird, you know, like portions of food sometimes to get that lean, you know, cut Amber Crombie Fitch look. So, yeah, being large does not necessarily mean unhealthy. I think in our society we see large as, oh, lazy. That's that thought. It's like, oh, they could lose that weight, but they can't pass up that third helping or they can't get off the couch and you know it's like again judgment it's like but we do um we do see you know i think because of media and all that we do see in our program to think lean young you know right. people with flawless skin are good you yeah. know more so than just fit and attractive but they're actually a better quality person than someone right. who's not and i mean the reason why I want to get the membership to do more, and it's hard to get motivated when it is eight degrees outside. Oh, except if do. there's a steam room. Oh, oh, sitting in a sauna or a steam room feels so good when you know it's Yeah, but then you have to get out. <laughs> oh, you, but you can stay there a long time. And you meet might meet some really interesting people in the saunas and steamers. Some very I, friendly people. I belonged to the Y for many, many years, and I left the membership lapse because I was not using it. But one of the bigger sadnesses of letting it lapse was the fact that, A, you got to see some really nice things in the locker room, and B, sometimes you got to play with really nice, nice things, things in the, the locker, locker room. room. Uh, that, that's Yeah, I've done sad. that. I've done that. Mm-hmm. But no, the reason why I want to get more active, try and shed some weight, is that I believe that being at my current weight is causing secondary insomnia Mm. to it i snore like a chainsaw which wakes up my husband who in turn wakes me up saying hey you're snoring again and i'm like sorry and i roll out and lack of sleep can be bad and yeah so there's there's viable reasons for you know being aware of your body but yeah the reason of just you want to fit in or be be more acceptable to strangers unfortunately that's a reason too i mean yeah. I, I would like to get back down not as far as i was before but i want to lose weight and just been lazy about it because i know i can do it mm-hmm. it's one of those things that's like well i know it's possible i'll get to it, it eventually it's not easy though it's an effort but there's yeah. a nice sense of I, what i liked was the sense of control over having control over my body in that respect 
And, you know, kind of gaining a feeling of control over, you know, other life things too. But then there's that guilt too. It's like, but I know this is just programming from society. I know that yeah. wanting to be thin or looking more, you know, is just, you know, giving in to stupid expectations that really don't, you know. And yeah. then you feel guilty for that, too. It's like, ah. Oh. Or feeling guilty for being attracted to a certain sort. I mean, once upon a time, I was really much only attracted to thinner guys. When I was much younger, I wanted stick thin or, you know, twinks. Dated someone who liked, appreciated huskier guys, which informed me of, you know, being able to see uh, more attraction in a wider variety, too. And I was glad of that because I was like, yeah. okay, I'm not just being yeah. so narrowly focused. I think I'm really lucky... Uh, when it comes to body image anyway, that shortly after I hit puberty, my family got the internet and we were early adopters. This was 92. Mm-hmm. So, you know, really early internet. But I found the porn mm-hmm. on the internet and I discovered bears. Oh. And I was like, one of each, please, in alphabetical <laughs> order. Yeah, just these big hairy, masculine guys. And I'm like, oh, that's what yanks my crank. I'd never been a fan of the effeminate, twinkish, quote, sissy, Mm -hmm. uh, or androgyny. Now, I'm gay. I like men. And I like manly men. So, yeah, give them to me big and hairy. See, I'm I I do have that interest. I mean, yes, I like masculine, hairy, you know, solid, but I also like you know the yeah the more feminine and twinkish. It's like I like I like gender fuck and gender queer. You know, it's like I love the you know just the that I, yeah. too. So it's I'm yeah I'm, I have a nice range that way myself. And then I you know but then we just have to that's what happens in our society. We see others and we. We do kind of judge sometimes. I think based on you know our own insecurities. Um, like I said, I would never fat shame someone mm-hmm. because it's something I've dealt with so much myself. But you hear so much of it, and there was just an article I read online about just how like grinder and the profiles and that how much fat shaming there is on that. It's like you know no fats, no fems, that kind of stuff. And, yeah. Uh, or you know people who've been you know would show up and maybe they looked larger in person than they did in their pictures. And it'd just be shut down. It's like, oh, well, you know, you didn't give me a real picture. And, you know, it's like, hey, there's a real person there that probably has some really cool stuff about them. And, oh, because they don't, they fail on this one thing. I mean, truthfully, yeah, then you have to be realized you're attracted to what you're attracted to. Right. I think some people use that as an excuse to be horrible to other human beings. Right. There is a difference between saying to yourself, okay, I am attracted to to a certain body type mm-hmm. that I have a certain type and I'm attracted to that and I will actively seek that mm-hmm. out versus being bitchy and hateful and shaming and not even giving anybody who doesn't fit the certain criteria right. that I'm looking for is in well I think too another thing that happens is um with the uh you know the profiles I'm always, when I'm reading the profiles, I'm judging them myself. Of course. And, uh, but I'm usually judging, like, when people are giving this long list of what they're not into, what you should not be, that really annoys me. I love it when I see someone says, I like this. 
You know, this is what yes, I like. T- tell me what you want, want not, not what, what, you're... You, what you don't like. Yeah. And also, I have to catch myself because something I just stopped doing moderately recently, um, thin shaming. You know? Yeah. I mean, I, you see the, the Twinkie skinny thing coming into the bar. And it's like, oh, someone needs a hamburger. Or give that boy a cookie. And I thought I was being really clever. It's like... That's no, you're, the... you're just being bitchy and uninventively bitchy. Well, no, and that's just the other side of the coin. Right. I would never say, you know, someone walks in who's bigger and it's like, oh, God, he really needs to, like, you know, watch what he eats. It's the other way around. If they're comfortable with their body, or even if they're not, it's not my place to, like, you know, throw more heaps on it. Right. No, I do get kind of annoyed because I do, it is kind of like, feels like a punching up, punching down thing. Mm-hmm. In our society, I feel a lot more... Grief is given to bigger guys than thin. Because I think thin tends to be more what people want. So, you know, I've heard horrible things said, but I also see a lot of eyes go to the thin things coming in and saying, uh, you know, being appreciative. So, but the idea is like, well, punching up, punching down. Just how about not punching at all? Yeah. And I mean... But where's the fun in that? Well, there's other things that can be said. There's so many other things to rip on. Like, you know... Their voting practices, or what, <laughs> what they read or do not read. I mean, there's so many other things to it, attack in a yeah, person. It, it's how yeah. they treat others, or like John Waters says, reading is sexy. If you go over to somebody's place and they don't have any books, don't fuck them. <laughs> and that's why I thought. I thought the ideal picture for me, it's like you know, I'm you know, grinder or any of these other things. Yeah, see your chest, see your dick, whatever. Show me your bookcase. Have a picture of your bookcase. And that will be, I will know so much more if I want to actually spend time with you. Yeah. And do horrible, horrible things. All right. Oh, Mr. Benson. Yes, we could work. Next one. Atlas Shrub. <laughs> no. No, no. But, but yeah, so I think, but yeah, I mean, body image, it's just, it's it's always there. And I think my trouble is, like I said, I, I can't get away from it. You know, even mm-hmm. if, I mean, like I said, I want to lose weight for health reasons because I know cholesterol all that stuff is probably there blood pressure um but if it wasn't it's like i'm still not happy you know the way i am right and like part of me is like yeah but you don't that's just your conditioning from society and mm-hmm. it's like true but i can also you know be happier with myself for you yeah. know losing the weight and it's like you know whether it's for the right reasons or not doesn't matter it's my choice to be what i want and oh what's his face uh singer I think it was American Idol. Like Sam Mills? Sam somebody? I have never watched American Idol. Well, I'm he has a say. song about Take Me to the Church. Oh, I, yeah. I uh, think that's the one. Oh, uh, but Yeah, I, anyways, I can look it up. Yes, Keep okay. Going. My pop knowledge thing is failing. But I just saw an article, I think, today about how people were concerned because he's thinner. And he's showing pictures of himself on you know his media where he's lost weight. And people were all like, oh... You know, don't lose any more weight. It might change your voice. Oh my gosh, why? And, you know, we like the way you looked. H-O-Z-I-E-R. Hoser? No, that wasn't the one I'm thinking of. So I'm thinking of someone completely different. Sorry. I thought it was like maybe some American Idol It might have been an American Idol cover. Somebody. Don't don't know. So maybe it's not the guy who does the church thing. Sorry. Um, But Sam, I thought was his name. It was a future episode of Wolverine. Anyways, um, but no, it should be sure. We'll look him. it up on Wikipedia and, and come back to you guys. But he looks thinner, and you know, because I guess he'd been dealing with a coach and all this to get thinner. But then the comments, of course, that are coming, it was like, oh no, don't. And it was like, it was like, and then I love the comments that were like, 
hey, you do what you do to be healthy, to make yourself feel good. Don't listen to all this negativity. And that was the best comment, you know, that came up in the story. Oh, yeah. It's like... Yeah, never read the YouTube comments. No. Oh, but, um, yeah, we're just obsessed with, you know, and some stupid, a very... um superficial stuff when it comes yeah. to like size and, and we're we're really all guilty of it there is mm-hmm. a movie out there called bear city mm-hmm. that is about you know the bear community and it touches on it talks about how there is still fat shaming and body issues in the bear community which you would think it wouldn't be there but no it it's there Oh, it's there. I I think to a lesser extent, because I've always felt more comfortable with bears because they tend to be a lot less, but, you know, obsessed about just size and that. But yeah, I think there it's, we're still programmed. This is a program we've had since childhood. Yeah. And it, it specifically talked about the subgroup known as muscle bears and how a lot of them see, you know, have this pressure on themselves to maintain that look and that it is hard work not just being a muscle bear but being a daddy muscle bear that you know 55 plus hanging on to this toned sculpted gym body and you know i've read that there is a condition out there that they're calling bigorexia of guys who they never get pumped and ripped enough that no matter how much time they spend at the gym how many steroids they take, you know, how big they get, it's not enough. And that's the trouble yeah. with when you're dealing with just looks. No matter how good you make yourself look by whatever standards, you can always push it and be more so. I mean, you're never going uh-huh. to, there's no such end point or perfection. Right. There's always going to be someone who looks better than you or is closer to the ideal that you want to be. So it's it's a never-ending effort. Yeah, just five more pounds and, and another $1,000 worth of plastic surgery, and then I'll be pretty, and people and will finally love me. And then once you get to there, it's like, oh, you know, I really don't like my nipples. They're a bit too wide. Or I don't like my... Or you're eventually going to hit something that you just cannot change. It's like there's very limited ways of changing your height, truly, uh, that don't involve some really scary yeah. things. Yeah, I mean... It, but, um, but you know, that said, there's no... And then, guess what? It's... You can only be at that top. Even if you were to achieve it somehow, you can only be there for a very brief time before time will take its toll. Yes. And again, where society, does again, doesn't value large guys, doesn't, you know, um, I think women get this a shit ton more of the age thing. You're older and it's like, oh, your your time is spent. Thanks. You know, it's... Yeah. D- I mean, d- I mean d- with the men, with, you know, with the men, yeah. I, I don't know that it's as much for men... Because, you know, Patrick Stewart recently posted himself on the beach in double fisting drinks and in board shorts. Oh, yeah. And I would not (laughs) kick him out of bed. I I, I think men have a better chance at aging, you know, gracefully. gracefully. But still, you see it so much. Again, on the grinder, it's like, hey, you know, no one over 30. Or, you know, if you're my father's age, that's, you know, you you should rethink your life priorities. And I was like, whoa. But it's... My, yeah, and I don't get that. My husband and my father 
there's only six months age difference between the two of them, which made life a little interesting when they first met, but... But they, I think they both got over it. Right yeah, quickly. I think once you get to know the person and realize that they're good for your child, then it's like, hey, I think a lot of things can be accepted. Yeah, the age thing—it's you know—it's all in our minds, and we have this set. I think what it finally comes down to is, yeah, we are programmed to like a certain thing by society. Society is pretty stupid about what it decides as being the good thing that we should all want to be. And really, just critically think about it. Think about it's like why do I feel a need to be thin or, you know, whatever it is that part of your body or thing that you don't like about yourself. It's like, why am I not liking this? What can really be done about it? And Mm -hmm. maybe I have to work on the things I can do something about like, you know, personality or how you treat others or things like that. Right. Things you have a bit more control over, which hopefully in the long run, the people who you really do want in your lives, I think might be a bit more aware of and, care about yeah it's that old judge judy quote beauty fades dumb is forever (laughs) well i i don't believe that one can always improve themselves yeah academically or or change their opinions like i said for myself that's the thing too it's like we figure out you know we i have this programming that says yeah fat dumpy oh my gosh that's not attractive it's like that's what you are who could ever like you it's like i meet lots of guys who are attracted and but i do know it's a confidence thing too yes and fundamentally you have to like yourself oh yeah the a- way you absolutely look. you know and i think but i think that comes from you know yeah it's it's yeah, tricky it, and... it's it is the easiest thing to say that confidence looks good and mm-hmm. confidence attracts others mm-hmm. it's also really really hard to put into practice except yeah. it is but then sometimes i think you can just fake it Fake confidence works to a, a pretty good extent, and then suddenly it turns into real confidence. Yeah. It's like, you know what? I And like I said, for me going to like, um, you know, going to things like the Detroit Bondage Club, or in the past, uh, camp at the campground. Yeah. Something that really built, you know, even though, you know, I had this idea of how I looked, having strangers appreciate, you know, me, mm-hmm. it's like, it's kind of sad to think that you can, you know, that, that influences you so much, but... In fact, you know, strangers, I mean, they don't need to lie to you. You know, if they don't like the way you look, they could just turn away or just, like, make a face and move on. But, you know, so, you know, people in your life who you care about, you know, they'd be like your mom. And she'd be like, well, of course you're a very handsome boy or something like that. I can't trust that. mom. I know. (laughs) Um, Because, you know, they will know you better and also they don't want to hurt you. But strangers a lot of them don't give a shit of what they hurt you and they're going to tell you if they like you or not yeah no they'll they'll give it straight to your face but yeah i've gone through years of therapy and it has ingrained itself in me i know that i'm hot shit if you can't see that and you don't want all this oh well he does he does he does he doesn't fuck him he does he does he does he does he does they all do. One at a time, gentlemen. Well, maybe two. Uh, well, let's see here. Two hands, two feet, a mouth, an ass, and a dick. Everybody hop on one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Multitasking. That's tricky. Oh, yeah. It's... Yeah, it, that's not easy also. It, it's hard to 
give high quality when you're split in that yep. many <laughs> directions. As fun as it is to think about, yeah, no, not so much. This section of A Hairy Prone Companion is brought to you by the Lansing Board of Water and Light, who asks that if you see one of our manholes wide open, please take a picture of it and let us know. Thank you. On to knitting and crafting. I have hit the third color finally on my season 27, the, the Doctor Who scarf that I'm working on. And I think 18. I think it was Tom Baker, end of Tom Baker era. I think it was 18 is the one with the burgundy and the... Maybe. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember the exact seasons. But anyway, seeing the three colors together, they are working quite well. It's not an exact match. The orange is too orange, and the purple is too much of a purple jewel tone. But they work. Uh, yeah, the part yeah. I've seen that you've made so far, it's like, yeah, I find it aesthetically appealing. Yeah, uh, and I like the way that they've done it, that between, because it, it's all garter stitch, you know, just knit all the way around. And so with each color change, you end up doing... Uh, two rows of one, two rows of the other, two rows of one, two rows of the other, and then moving to the next block of pattern, which lets it look very nice on the backside. Mm -hmm. So I like that. And because that looks so good, there are a couple of sections where you actually run through all three colors, mm -hmm. one right after the other. And I'm like, you know, if I make it that far, because mm -hmm. it's a 21-foot scarf. Yeah. At its full length, I don't think I have enough yarn to do all of that. But I think I'm just going to skip over those triple run sections and just keep working the blocks mm -hmm. and just enjoy it as a nice block scarf with those transition zones to them. Yeah, there's those sections that terrified me when I saw the pattern. I'm like, yeah, aesthetically, I like this one more than the, the standard. Um, the original Todd Baker scarf, but mm -hmm. yeah, just the the amount of work. It's like, that's a project for later. Yeah. And, and also, I'd want to do it in chenille. Yeah. And so, it, it's a project for later, and maybe when you get your taxes back, then you'll have enough money for the chenille. Not me. Oh, mm -hmm. I am not looking forward to my taxes this no. year. Oh. Well, mine are, are going to be bad because for about six months, mm -hmm. I was self-employed. I was driving Uber, and they 1099 you. Mm -hmm. they, they don't take anything out. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I know how to do them. I use the paid version of TurboTax online because, to me, it's worth 20 bucks mm -hmm. to have the computer do all the calculations and communicate with ADP for my, my uh, W-2s. That way, I know I haven't transposed two numbers. So to me, it, it's worth 20 bucks for the convenience to do it that way. But yeah, I know that I'm going to have to try and figure out a way to make a payment or get on a payment plan. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to owe something. Uh, and it, it's going to come due just before Claw, <laughs> which sucks. Yeah, and I was also thinking back, all right, I'm working on a Doctor Who scarf. <laughs> You're working on a Doctor Who scarf, and we're doing this 
with a podcast that comes out weekly, and we're probably going to be working yeah. on those cars throughout the entire summer. So, so there might, well, no, I'm I'm also very um, magpie, like, oh, something new, something shiny, something different. So as far as crafting goes, there will probably be other things I'll be dipping my toes into or pursuing. Yeah, having a project that I really need to work on is not going to be keeping me at that project. I'm I'm very uh, poly when it comes to projects and yeah I'm just not very monogamous when it comes to uh, <laughs> interests. Yeah, I looked up the uh, one millimeter uh, leather lace that Andy talked about uh, in the interview, and it's like depending on where you get about seven dollars for a hundred feet. Okay, so I might get a roll of that and make something with it. Maybe just an armband. Mm-hmm. To, to see to try it to test out the, the yeah, material to, to test out the material make something small and simple and you know I don't have any leather armbands right now so that would be and you know it would be unique um, and then who knows maybe I'll just remake the harness in it which yeah. you have a feel for the material and know how to work it better yeah yeah and I'm also I've been seeing a lot more amaguri has been coming into my universe mm. recently. Yeah, just these Amaguri Valentine hearts. Cool. Um, you know, three you know, three dimensional and one that's anatomically correct, which is kinda creepy. Oh, but perfect. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's what I want to give to you know the person I could give that to that would, you know, understand it and appreciate it, yes. There's there's something more my soul made. But yeah, no, I I've always been, been amused by yeah the more accurate just depictions of hearts yeah like on cards or things like that it's, it's kind of a you know a um, Wednesday Adams sort of thing that you do yeah and the one I was specifically looking at did say in the pattern that it's actually modeled on a beef heart so it is okay. it is larger than your human heart which is actually just about yeah. the size of your fist but to have it look good they upsized it and based it on a beef heart. Seems like, yeah, yeah. The thing with the, the amaguri, it's like they're just they're just so adorable. And I'm thinking, you know, what you could make. I'm picturing, well, I'm picturing little bears and harnesses. Oh yeah. And then all the pups. I mean, you know, think of you know the pup community. It's like you know amaguri pups. And it's like aw. I've I've seen amaguri Daleks, and they're just the cutest little murder machines. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a whole <laughs> book of you know. I saw some ood. So uh, many, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's it's a cute. It's a cute. Uh, Amaguri is making the little. For anyone who doesn't know, Amaguri is the mostly crochet, but you can do them knitting also. But they're right. little, you know. They're they're stuffed animals. Basically. Yeah, maybe a few inches high, and they're usually. Well, I've seen them. I mean, the technique is three dimensional crochet, mm-hmm. and yes, a lot of them are just a few inches high. But I've seen them, you know, the foot and a half high. I mean the. Or about the size of a typical teddy bear. Okay. Um, yeah, they're they're not all tiny, and yeah, Amaguri BB-8s, hmm. where the stuffing of the ball part of it is a regulation soccer ball. Okay. So uh, I saw an Amaguri chemistry set. It was just like life size beakers and test tubes and a Bunsen burner, and um, <laughs> they all had cute little smiley faces. I was like. Show that to a coworker, and she's like, "Oh, I have to have my aunt make that for me." <laughs> yeah, you, 
Yeah. I just want to learn it to be able to wrap my head around three-dimensional crochet. I've made I've made a hat before where there was a definite 90-degree bend to it. So it, you kind of did like a granny a granny circle for the top of the hat and then by just going through half of the loop, you got a 90 degree bend and then you did uh, the band of the hat. Okay. And it ended up looking um, rather like the hats worn by Muslim men. You know what mm -hmm. I'm talking about there? Uh, the problem is, I, somehow whenever I do a pattern and I crochet it, I end up a lot smaller than the pattern says. So I made it, I looked at it, and I gave it to this nice couple I know who had a two-year-old. Oh. And it was just the right size for the two-year-old. Yeah. And it, oh. So, yeah, I don't know why it is that every time I crochet from a pattern, I get smaller. So, yeah, if, if I ended up doing, you know, an amiguri and the pattern says, you should end up about six inches high. It would be like sixth of an inch somehow. It would just be way too small to even see. It, it sounds like, like my knitting. Maybe you're just a bit too tight with your. Yeah, you know. yeah, and but I mean, I use I use a J hook generally, so I don't, I don't know, I don't know. I'll get my tension right. I'll get everything worked out eventually, and otherwise, yeah, I may just end up with small things. But yeah, I I assume you've seen the meme. Of build a bear on where it's building a leather bear. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's this little you know guy beard, carpet of manliness, harness and chaps, mm -hmm. and you see the the young kid putting stuffing in the back of it. <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, we're we're not allowed in build a bear anymore. Mm -hmm. I, actually, I would really like to go to a real build a bear workshop and go through the entire ritual mm -hmm. of it. I. Because that's when yeah. pretty much is a store, but you design a teddy bear and accessories and all that. Yeah, yeah. Then... It's and it is. It's an event. Mm -hmm. You know, you're supposed to select a heart, kiss the heart, and then put the heart in the bear in the stuffing. And yeah, it. Uh, and you know, it sounds like a dark arcane ritual to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's for kids. That's for kids, right? <laughs> Well, we've run out of time again. Send your questions, comments, show ideas, dirty pictures, or project photos to harryprone at gmail.com or tweet at us. We are at harryprone.comp. Our theme music is Hotspot by Aux, used under the Creative Commons Attribution License. We are your hosts, Sir Arcane and Lansing Mike, wishing you peace, love, and perversion. Good night, night.